Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. In this sermon episode, Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen is preaching from the title, Calculating the Cost to Finish, in the sermon series, Do Well, Do Good. We're glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, Luke 14, 25, amen. Come on back, amen, come on back. It's a wonderful view to see parents and family members hold them phones out, amen, when them kids singing. The kids did such an excellent job. Amen, let's give them a big hand clap of praise if we're able to. They did such an excellent job helping us usher in the spirit on today. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse number 25. Amen. Amen. feel like I haven't been here in a long time. I was here last week, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, pray for me. Amen. We're still on this sermon series, Do Well, Do Good. And I believe if we desire to do well, to be wealthy, to be healthy, I think our pursuit of discipleship must be first. We must pursue God in order to say, hey, God, I want to be the best disciple you want me to be. And I've learned the more I'm committed to God with my spiritual life, the more he blesses my finances, my family, my friends, and everything around me because I've learned how to put him first. And so today we want to look at a particular passage of scripture in which Jesus begins to speak about the cost of being a disciple. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, and his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, at least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, and he was not able to finish. I want to preach from the topic, calculating the cost to finish. Calculating the cost to finish. The joy of finishing sometimes is unexplainable. To cross a finish line is a huge accomplishment. Yearly, people train to run races, and many have it set in their minds that they're not trying to run to win the race, but they're simply just trying to finish the race. Crossing the finishing line is a declaration of, I made it. 
Crossing the finish line, it reminds you of how much you went through just to be where you are. When you cross the finish line of school, you celebrate because you know how much you endured just to be able to walk across that stage and get that diploma. To cross the finish line of retirement, you know how many days you wanted to walk off that job and never return, but you stayed, and now you receive a check every month. Amen. To cross that finish line of buying your own house, you know how much paperwork you had to complete and maybe even the many denials you had to endure before a bank said yes. And when you set goals and vision, we create finish lines. And when we cross them, we look back and we say it was worth it. A story of a young girl, she is an inexperienced driver and She's driving her grandfather from Chicago to Mississippi. And while she's driving, a storm comes up. A lightning flash, the thunder is roaring, um, the rain is relentless, and she looks to her grandfather and says, Granddaddy, can I please pull over? Uh, granddaddy said, no, just keep on driving. She noticed cars pulled over. She noticed semi-trucks pulled over on the side of the road waiting for the storm to pass over. And she said, Granddaddy, look, the other cars are pulled over. Can I please pull over? Granddaddy said, no, just keep on driving. They kept driving, and down the road, the, the clouds began to move from the sky. The sun began to shine, and the rain ceased from falling. The thunder ceased from roaring, and the lightning stopped flashing. And then Granddaddy said, hey, pull over to the side of the road. The young girl was confused, and she looked at her granddaddy and said, Granddaddy, while we were in the storm, you told me to keep driving. <clears throat> but when we came out of the storm, you told me to pull over. He said, I want you to see something. If, if you look back, those who stopped in the storm, they're still in the storm. But because we kept moving through the storm, we made it to the other side of the storm. My brothers and sisters, it takes tenacity to continue to press your way that allows you to make it to whatever finish line that is in front of you. No matter the storm, no matter the rain, no matter the thunder and lightning, you can testify to you, declare to yourself, I can make it. However, in the text today, my brothers and sisters, Jesus warns us against the humiliation that occurs when we're unable to finish what we started. No one wants to be labeled as a quitter. We all should desire to complete every task we set out to accomplish. But when we fail to properly assess the requirements of the goal, it forces us to have incomplete projects. And there's no worse feeling than to look at a plan you know you cannot complete. I've seen many pieces of land that had signs on them stating the new home for a church, but the sign was older than the church. The church had planned to build, but for some reason they were unable to finish. I've seen personal homes for sale uh, to, uh, that were sold less than market value because the original owners were unable to complete the build, all because they failed to calculate the cost to finish. Many who experience this pain of 
incompleteness often have to watch as others prosper with what they started. It's painful to see someone else living in your dream house. It's painful to see your ex happy and doing well with their new spouse. It's painful to see what you forfeited is now making money for somebody else. Incompletion causes voids in your life that seem everlasting. A few years ago, I was watching a clip of a runner from the University of Oregon. He is about to cross the finish line, and he begins to raise his hand in order to get the crowd involved in his running. But as he was raising his hand, it caused him to slow down. And the runner behind him from the University of Washington began to speed up. As one runner attempted to get the crowd excited, another runner was focusing on finishing the race. One runner planned to win while the other one planned to get the crowd's approval. One runner finished well while the other runner gave up too soon. The Oregon runner had to stand on the winter, winner's platform, not as number one, but he stood there as number two because he did not calculate the cost to finish the race. And in our text today, my brothers and sisters, Jesus is surrounded by a large crowd of people. A large amount of people are, is walking alongside of Jesus, but no one is really following Jesus. Let me say that one more time. A large crowd is alongside of Jesus, but no one is truly following Jesus. They are amazed at his ability to conduct miracles. So some may have been there hanging around to see uh, the, the next great thing Jesus would do. Would he feed more people with a little bit of food? Will he speak to nature as he spoke to the winds and the waves? Can he turn water into wine, or was that something he could only do one time? These people still exist today. You don't see them until they're in need of a miracle from God. When life is well, they are absent, but when life begins to beat them down, they crowd Jesus for a miracle. I wish I had a witness here. Then some in the crowd were, were there because of the words of Jesus. They were amazed that his knowledge, and his interpretation of the Holy Scripture. They loved his words, but they refused to live by those same words. This group of people still exists today. They show up in church each Sunday to hear the word of God, but fail to live the word of God. The people, they crowded around Jesus, but Jesus understood they were not there to follow after him. People that crowd but refuse to follow are those who say, I'm spiritual but not religious. They, they, they often say, I, I can love God without going to church, but, but, but I find it odd that you can love God but not God's people. <clears throat> so Jesus, he senses in his spirit that the crowd may not be aware of the cost of following after him. He tells them, if you come to me, you must hate mother, father, sisters, brothers, spouse, children, and even your own life. Just for me. 
Seems like a strange message. You all got real quiet when I said that. This word hate in Aramaic, it means to love a great deal less. And I think Jesus means that if God and he, if, if we love God in the kingdom of God, we give him all of the importance into our lives that we will love him more than we love anything else. Jesus is saying, you must sacrifice your love for everything close to you and give me that love you'll give to other people. My brothers and sisters, and I've discovered when I give God the love that is required, I'm able to love others better than loving them solely. I can love my wife more because I have an endless love for God. I love my children more because I have a great love for God. Because God models what love looks like. And if I'm loving him, it helps me to love other people. This lesson, this lesson is essential to stewardship. Jesus lets the crowd know that you, you, you have to even hate your own life if you decide to be my disciple. This is essential to what we're talking about when it comes to stewardship because the more I am devoted to God, the more I will value what God has given me. And I will become more effective with his blessings and not bury them in the sand. I wish I had a witness here. Jesus is saying, now you are just crowding me. You are simply just hanging around me. You are not connected to me, but you are just showing up wherever I am. Jesus is saying, I don't need crowded spaces. I need disciples. Let me say that one more time. I don't need crowded spaces. I need disciples. I need students of the gospel who will not be ashamed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord, I, 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 I need those individuals who will love the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, and their souls and love their neighbor as themselves. I, I need individuals who will commit themselves to my word and whatever they loose and bound on heaven will be loosed and bound on earth. I need disciples who are committed to serving me and not crowds who are only seeking something for themselves. I need individuals that will state if he never does another thing, he's already done enough. I, I, I need individuals who will say, Lord, any way you bless me, I will be satisfied. I need persons that can love me even when they don't agree with my decisions. Let me say that one more time. I need some people to love me even when they don't agree with my decisions. We say we trust God. We say we believe in God. But when God allows things to happen in our lives that we don't agree with, we got to be able to stand with God even we don't like what he has allowed to happen in our lives. So Jesus says there's a cost to follow me. 
And before you decide to make the choice to follow me, you need to count the cost. This was strange to me. Because if you want someone to be a part of what you have, you will tell them the best parts. <laughs> if you want someone to join you, if you're inviting someone to go on a journey with you, you will tell them the best parts of traveling with you. I'll drive most of the way. I'll pay for the gas. I'll take care of the snacks and the meals. I just need somebody to be in the car with me, and you just got to stay woke. I wish I had a witness here. If you're inviting someone to go on the journey with you, you would, act, you would tell them the best parts of the journey. But I find it odd in the text. Jesus does the exact opposite. He said, if you're going to follow me, you got to carry your own cross. Jesus tells the people, you got to carry your own cross. I'm not, I'm not carrying your cross. <laughs> okay, I'm trying, I'm trying to get myself together. But let me tell you all this. During this day uh, in which Jesus is speaking to the people, the cross was not an emblem of victory, but it was a reminder of torture and pain. People did not have crosses as earrings or charms or necklaces or bracelets because the cross was an instrument that was created to break you, to destroy you, to humiliate you, and most of all, to kill whoever carries it. The cross was similar to the lynching tree. It was a form of capital punishment. And as today, no one walks around with a noose as a charm on their necklace. <laughs> ah, I wish I had a witness here. Because the noose reminds you of the picture of people dying at the hands of someone who hated them. And no one back in those days will carry a cross on their neck would put a cross as earrings because the cross reminded them of torture, death, and pain. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow after me, you got to carry your own cross. You carry your cross, it means you will suffer greatly, even to the point of death on the cross. Jesus was not trying to be a salesman, but he was interested in only creating disciples. He was not trying to sell the benefits of following him, but he was warning those who were only there for the miracles that it cost something to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, your own life. So before you say yes, ensure you know what you're saying yes to. Because no man that put his hands to the plow and looked backwards is fit for the kingdom of God. So in order to prevent looking back, Jesus says, before you come, make sure you count the cost. Just because you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ died on the cross and God raised him from the dead and that he is the Lord over your life, it does not mean God will exempt you from trouble. 
Just because you show up in church every Sunday, give your tithe in your offering, sing your songs, pray your prayers, and listen to the sermon, it does not exempt you from trouble. You need to count the cost. The goal of starting this journey with Jesus is to finish this journey. The goal is to get to the end of life, stand before the throne of grace and hear the Lord say unto you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. Now let me make you ruler over many. Jesus says, um, hold up, you all just hanging around me. I'm not looking for a crowded group of people. I'm looking for disciples. I'm looking for people that's going to carry their own cross. Jesus then gives an illustration. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Often in Jesus' illustration, he offers the wildest things to do. In a time where there is no machinery, everything was done by hand and manpower, Jesus says, what happened when someone wants to build a tower? Not a shed, but a tower. They just don't start building the tower. They sit down, count the cost, and determine if they will finish it. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, the plan of the diligent leads surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. This is a word for all of us today. That we may have great dreams and aspirations. We may have these great intentions and desires. But before you execute on your dream, make sure you have a plan to finish. Don't plan on the way. Sit down. Take some time. Count the cost to see if you would finish. You want to build a tower? So you have to see how much would the land cost? How much would it cost to dig the hole? How much to lay the foundation? How much for the material? How much for the labor? How long do I expect this project to take? How many people do I need for this project? Will I have to take out a loan and is my credit good enough? How much would I have to put as a down payment? And can I afford the monthly payments on this loan? How much for the design? How much for the equipment inside of the building? How much to operate the building once we build the building? I, I don't understand what, 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 I understand what Jesus is saying. He is saying you need to understand the goal is to finish what you start. And if you don't, if you, and if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. This mentality will help us all keep our business straight. Keep the creditors from calling us. Keep us from putting our cars in other people's garages from the repossessor. It help us. It help us. It'll prevent us from 
from, 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 from uh, always needing something from somebody else to keep a roof over our head and food on our table when we learn how to count the costs. When we learn that birthdays are great days, but they shouldn't cost us our whole paychecks. That you'll rather celebrate your birthday than pay your rent. Something wrong with that. This is stewardship month. And you have to be a good steward of, of what you have. That, that you go out of your way, spend all your money on Christmas. And when February comes, you got an eviction notice. Something don't add up. You want Christmas? Turn them lights on. You want Christmas? Open that door to your own apartment, your own house. Be, be, because, because we have to get out of the mindset of celebrations, uh, spending all our money on just an experience for a little while that we can't afford. So now we have all this debt because of YOLO. YOLO, you only live once. But, but that bill's due every month, amen. You, you only living once. Oh, no, that one in my notes, amen. It says, count the cost. Jesus informed the people that this life of being my disciple, it requires some planning. Counting the cost means recognizing and agreeing to the terms. Right? Um, I'm going to help somebody here, too. Um, I know, I know we, we go get loans and stay away from those payday loan places. Um, because they know you, you really not, you don't have enough money to pay them back when you get paid. So they're going to give you a 30% interest loan. And when you can't pay them back, they're going to put all the late fees on you. Because you didn't read the contract. And then you try to close your account because you don't want them to take the money out of your account. And then another bank won't give you an account because you're fraudulent with another bank. It's expensive being poor. But you must plan your life. Amen. I ain't no money guru, but I ain't no fool neither. Because these people, they'll, they'll throw a contract in your face and give you a pen and tell you to sign. I say, give me a minute, let me read. And if I don't understand, I'm going to ask you 100 questions. And, and then I'm going to go to Google. Hey, man, what, what, what this mean? What does this mean? Let me make sure I know what this means. Because you're not going to make a fool out of me. I work too hard for my money. You hear what I'm saying? Count the costs. We go after things without counting the costs, knowing if we can finish, and then we are humiliated. 
calling the police. Somebody stole my car. <laughs> Only to discover it was Chase <laughs> Summit Credit Union had to come and repossess because you failed to be committed to the agreement of the terms. What if God repossessed his blessings from us? What if God came and pulled his peace and his joy and his happiness from us because we didn't keep the terms of our contract with him? Jesus is telling us all today, plan to finish. Those who, who are following Jesus simply for what they can get won't stick around when the going gets tough. When God's way conflicts with our way, we feel betrayed by God because we operate with the me first faith. He, if, we, if we have not counted the cost of being his child and his disciples, we'll turn away from God at the threat of sacrifice and find something else to gratify our selfish desires. In Jesus' earthly ministry, there came a time when the free food stopped and the public opinion turned ugly. I wish I had a witness here. Where, where the crowd on Monday, they was cheering Hosanna, but on Friday, they were shouting, crucify him. When he went in the temple and turned over the tables and told them they was being allowing the house of God not to be a place of prayer, but a den of thieves, then they said, crucify him. Jesus warns the disciples that it would be foolish to lay a foundation and not be able to finish it. He tells them that whoever commits to only starting and not finishing would be talked about by everybody who sees the foundation but nothing on top of it. <laughs> I'm finished. When we fail to finish, um, no pun intended. When we fail to finish, we experience humiliation. When we fail to finish, your commitment when you see others who started with you, but you dropped off, you didn't live in the should've, could'ves, and would'ves of life. When you fail to finish, uh, you begin to see what you could have been if you just would have stayed the course. Jesus is saying, I don't want to see you humiliated. I don't want to hear people talking about you. I don't want you to go through that shame and that dishonor. So I want you to finish. Jesus is the example of finishing what you started. I'm going to preach myself happy now. While Jesus was on the cross, he shouted, it is finished. 
This phrase in the Greek is tetelestai, which means to bring uh, to an end. It means to complete or to accomplish. It's a crucial word because it signifies the successful end of a particular course of action. It's the word you would use when you achieve great accomplishment. It's the word you will use when you turn in your final copy of your dissertation or thesis project. It's the word you will use when you make the final payment on your car or your home loan. It's the word you will use when you cross the finish line of a race. To tell us that. It means more than I survived. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. It is, yes, Lord, it is finished. And these was the words of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. He fulfilled all of the prophecies. He was born in Bethlehem to a virgin. He fled to Egypt. He was raised in Nazareth. He was baptized by John in the Jordan River. He gave sight to the blind. <clears throat> He gave hope to the hopeless. He gave peace to those who were in despair. He gave food to the hungry. He was there for those who were in need. He, gave, he, he raised the dead, but he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by, yes, Lord, by his stripes I am healed. And as Jesus hung on the cross, he shouted out his last words. It is, yes, sir, it is finished. As to say, I kept the course. I stayed on the race. I didn't give up. I wanted to throw in the towel, but I kept on moving. I wanted to walk away, but I kept on going. Matter of fact, Jesus will testify in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to God and he began to pray Father if it's your will let this cup pass call off the mission I don't want to finish the race but he kept on praying and when you keep on praying God will give you strength to finish the race he kept on praying and Jesus said not my will but thy will be done put a cross on his back marched up the Via Della Rosa to a hill called Calvary died I feel happy now. He died for your sins and mine. Died until the sun refused to shine. He died until the veil was ripped and the earth reeled and rocked like a drunken man. Stayed in the grave all night Friday night. Stayed in the grave all night Saturday night. But early... I say early Sunday morning, he got up with all power, 
in his hand. And since he got power, I can finish this race. For this race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but it's given to him or her that can endure to the end. I wish I had a witness that could testify. I'm going to finish this race. I don't know how, but I'm going to finish this race. Come what will, come what may, but I'm going to finish this race. I may be weak sometimes. I may fall down sometimes. I may have to endure some pain, but I'm going to finish this race. I dare you today, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, finish the race. You started it, now finish it. You started it, now finish it. If you got the mentality to finish this race, God will, he'll give you the strength to finish the race. Hold on just a little while longer. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Won't he walk with you? Won't he talk to you? Won't he tell you that you are his own? Say yes. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Please continue to connect with Mount Zion Baptist Church on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and our website, mtzlife.com. We continually put out new content, so be on the lookout and turn those notifications on. Looking forward to seeing you back here soon. Have a blessed day.